Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 72 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Sam Marks. Hey, Johnny. Hey, guys. This week, we have a super interesting episode with Colin Jones. And for anyone who's not familiar with Colin Jones, he was the co-lead behind the church team. There was a famous documentary written about or actually produced about the Holy Rollers. And in short, these guys were one of the biggest card counting operations ever. And they famously took three and a half million dollars from casinos between the years 2006, 2009. And I think the the really cool part about it is they did it using creating it basically as a fund with investors and they returned 35% annually to their investors through this whole card counting fund. So I think it's kind of cool because I, I bet you guys just saw the title. You might be thinking, why would we have an episode about gambling or card counting? But the fact that they made it into a fund really is exciting. And also I think the, the other part of it is the more money that we have as I think gamblers call it like like their 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 roll of cash or you know their their stack of cash, the more they have, the more leverage they have to actually make money from it. So it's a, it's almost just like another way to make money by having money by leveraging your money. Yeah. So aside from being entertaining, there's a lot of overlap, of course, with professional gambling and investing, and we we went into some of this stuff on the recent episode with Chris Conley. But the, the, the mindset behind a disciplined professional gambler and a disciplined investor, there's, there's a lot of overlap and a lot of takeaways. And I just think it's wild that these guys, some of the guys coming into this operation. So if you look at it, it was basically a fund where you have investors at the top. Then you have the managers in the middle that were, were managing the money and managing the players. And they have this big web of players that would go out on any given night and basically card count. And they were bringing people into the system and in any given night, they could go out and make or lose, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars. And that, that can be, you know, you take a couple of those losses that can be gut wrenching. But when you, when you back out of all of it, it's a math game. It's a numbers game and the, the, the numbers don't lie and you're going to have these ups and downs. But if you do it long enough and you apply the math and, and the principles to it, in the end, it worked. So personally, I'm not a big gambler, but I know it works because I actually have a friend, the the guy who told me I should buy Facebook when it was at 67, mm-hmm. the guy that he, he himself made over a million dollars uh, with Facebook stocks, he got his start. He made his first couple million dollars by not counting cards for blackjack, but I think it was for, it was for another game. I don't remember actually what it was, mm-hmm. but basically – he did his own version of it where he figured out he can have like a tiny, tiny edge uh, over over the dealer and he started doing it himself. Then he started recruiting a team to do it and throughout college, you know, him and his team, almost kind of like the movie 21, mm-hmm. you know, went to the casinos. But the difference between him and the blackjack counters that are often going to be kind of kicked out of casinos – the casinos ended up hiring him and his team to work there <laughs> as the bank because in places like California, the a lot of the card rooms and I don't know if you, you've seen these. There's a lot of these, you know, card room casinos where you can play poker or 21, and it's not technically legal to gamble in California. So the way that they 
that they get around it besides being like an Indian reservation is these card rooms are they cannot make money as the house. They can only make money by charging, you know, whatever it is, 50 cents per per game. So they didn't care who was winning or losing. They just wanted as many hands played as possible. And by JP and his team going in and playing a lot of hands and having the big bankroll, mm. they ended up getting hired by the casinos and saying, yeah, please come back. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think all this stuff is super interesting. And just the, the strategy, the mindset behind this, the math behind it. So in this episode, let's get into some strategies on card counting. I'm super interested. To, I know the house has the edge, of course, in every game, right? I think blackjack is one of the, the narrowest margins, but I'm wondering how that margin shifts if you can apply sound principles to card counting and, of course, facilitate good card counting, right? Because it's one thing to have the principles. It's another thing to sit there when you're $50,000 in the hole and not break a sweat and not worry about the cameras on you and the people. So I just think the whole thing is really interesting and there's a lot of takeaways looking at this as a fund and as an investor and how that applies to other investing strategies. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to this episode just cuz I think it'll be fun. You know, I you know, just just off the off the bat, I don't think this is something that I'm personally going to be doing or investing in, but I'm really excited to figure out how it works. So you guys enjoy this episode. Guys, welcome back. Colin, thanks for joining us on Invest Like a Boss. Yeah, my pleasure. And this is going to be a lot of fun. So we know that there are a lot in common with professional investors and successful gamblers. So we're looking forward to having you on exploring that and, of course, hearing a bit of your absolutely fascinating story and what you guys teach at Blackjack Apprentice. So, man, let's just dive into it. For A lot of people I know will have heard of you guys and what you guys have done. But maybe for those who haven't, you could just take us back quick. When did when did you, sir, get into card counting and, and everything that you're doing? Uh, yeah, I got into card counting kind of right after college. I had a math degree. I was waiting tables at Red Robin, mm-hmm. and I had no ambition other than to try to be in a punk band. And I was doing that stuff, and a buddy loaned me a book. He's like, hey, I'm teaching myself how to count cards. And I was like, oh, I think I could do that. And so he loaned it to me, and I read it. And spent some time practicing. And and then uh, my wife and I got married. We quit our jobs. We had like six grand in the bank and I did not want to go back to waiting tables. And I I didn't know what else I was going to do. And so I convinced her to take a few thousand dollars of our savings and take it, you know, to the blackjack tables and do this (laughs) card card gang thing. And, uh, and it worked out. It seems like a, a, a tough job convincing your wife to be able to do that with your six grand. Yeah, well, uh, it wasn't all of the six grand. It was a couple thousand, and she she honestly thought it wasn't going to work. But I told her I would I would stop if I lost the two grand, and you know mm-hmm. I could get out of my system or whatever is probably what she thought. But <laughs> it you know ended up changing our lives. And do you still have the dream of being in a punk band? No, no, gave up on that probably when I turned thirty. <laughs> okay, all right. Wow, always some some things to revisit later in life, I suppose. But I want to hear more about. Blackjack as a game. Of course, when I go to a casino, I play blackjack, but I know very little about it as a as a as an industry and as a, a game in the casino. Is it the largest game in a in a casino by volume? Yeah, uh, yeah, it, table game. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's slot machines and all that stuff. But it actually wasn't. Craps was kind of the more popular game until this mathematician Ed Thorpe devised card counting and wrote a book about it, and it was a bestseller. And then you know, everyone flooded the blackjack tables trying to beat it, even though very, very few people actually took the time and, and kind of self-control to, to beat it. 
And is that how you got your introduction to card counting through that book? No, uh, it was through a couple books by a guy um, named Stanford Wong, and he was also a mathematician. And you know, he wrote a book called Basic Blackjack, another called Professional Blackjack, and those were really all I used. That and just asking a million questions to my buddy who had been uh, counting cards at that point for maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And do you have any idea? I'm sure you do. What the house odds are for blackjack? Yeah, if you play what's called basic strategy, which is like the proper way to play every hand, if you play that perfectly, then the casino has about half of a 1% advantage. That doesn't seem like much at all. No, but the average gambler doesn't play perfect basic strategy. So, you know, casino has like a 2% advantage over the average player. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, if you're betting, you know, $100 a hand, they're going to make 50 bucks off of you after an hour on you know, on average, if you play perfectly. Interesting. So that, so that less than or half of 1% actually adds up to be a considerable amount on volume. Yeah. If you play a hundred rounds per hour and, you know, and then you got four people per table. And so they're making, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple hundred bucks an hour per table times however many tables they have. But, but again, the average player plays worse than that. So they're making more than that. Right. And does it, how much of a factor comes into play the other people sitting at a table. So if three people are playing perfect strategy and one person's totally off doing whatever he wants, does that mess up the odds for the other three as well? So that's one of the most common misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the, the odds really are just you against the dealer in, in terms of the casino's advantage over mm-hmm. you. So if you could play with the worst players in the world and they're not going to screw up the cards for you. Okay. Um, because it's really your playing decisions versus, you know, the, the dealer has a set decision they have to make. Um, but they're, they're actually for a card counter, there, there is a factor or actually for any gambler, there is a factor, which is the, the more table, uh, the more players at the table, the slower the game's going to be. So you're going to play fewer rounds per hour. Gotcha. And, uh, so if you're a gambler, you should play a full table because you're going to lose your money slower. But if you're mm-hmm. a card counter, you don't want to play a full table because you want to play as many rounds per hour to make as much per hour as you can. Very cool. So how do the odds tilt if you're effectively be able to count cards? Yeah, so actually the, the odds do tilt. It's just that if you're not counting cards, you don't know mm-hmm. how the odds are changing. And so the whole the whole deal is every game in a casino is based on independent events. Like if you throw the, the dice, you know, and you, you throw a seven, the next time you throw the dice, throwing that seven the previous time has absolutely no impact on throwing it the next time because it's an independent event. And that's how roulette and, you know, every game in a casino is except blackjack when they take a card out of, they call it the shoe, but you know, let's say they're playing six decks shuffled together. If, if an ace of diamonds is dealt, you will not see that ace of diamonds again until mm. they shuffle. So, so there's this kind of loophole in blackjack where it's actually dependent events. Mm-hmm. So if you're keeping track as these cards are coming out, you know, the composition of the the shoe, you know, what's left to be dealt. You don't know exactly what cards, but with card counting, you just keep track of a ratio of high cards to low cards. And when there is a surplus of high cards left, then the advantage starts tilting in the player's advantage. So it's it's really, it's like buying low and selling high. You bet small when the casino has the advantage, and then when you have the advantage, you bet more. And if you do that over enough, you know, hundreds of hours, you can make a good return on your money. So can is there any way to to put a number to the win percentage? Like do you have a win percentage if you affect if you count cards effectively long enough? 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's like one to two percent advantage, mm-hmm. um, and we think of it in terms of what's called EV, which is expected value. Mm-hmm. Expected value is going to be you know the amount of action, like how much you're betting, multiplied by your advantage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but like for my career, I uh, averaged a little over three hundred dollars an hour EV. Or, wow. I mean, well, I made over three hundred dollars an hour. I, I think I averaged a little, probably the same thing because I played thousands of hours, so the math right. all worked out. But, you know, I, I'd say a professional card counter is expecting to make $100 an hour EV or more. Some, you know, I have some friends that have been playing full time the last three, four years and, and they're averaging in the $400 an hour range. Mm-hmm. That's probably the higher end for a professional, but, you know, one, two, three hundred an hour. And of course, I guess it goes also into to a lot into how much you're willing to wager. Oh, yeah, totally. So it, it's all about expected value, but also keeping your risk low. Yeah, I used to. I lived in Edinburgh, Scotland, for about three years, and there was a, a casino in town that allowed you to play one pound. I, I think it was just uh-huh. single deck. It was just like this really rundown place. But man, uh-huh. I, I didn't really know how to play blackjack well. But I could sit there and play for five, six hours, and mm-hmm. you never lose more than ten or ten or fifteen pounds. Um, mm-hmm. But it was really cheap there, and I know a lot of places in Vegas minimums what like ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five now. Yeah, yeah, it depends where you're where you're at when you get off the strip it can be a little bit cheaper but they're also on on the strip in vegas they're making the rules worse and worse to just kind of exploit the you know three-day vacationers right um, yeah sure so wow not, not good for us card counters so we have to stay away from those games so as a card counter how do you identify a place that is possible to count cards and is it is there kind of uh just in terms of actual feasibility of like the decks is there mm-hmm. Is there kind of a in-between area where like, yes, you definitely can here. No, you definitely can't on, say, a computer, mm-hmm. computer-generated game. But you maybe on like a, a double deck or three decks or something like that, you can sort of do it, but it's less effective. How does how do you look at that stuff? Yeah, there's a number of factors, but um, the rules are definitely part of it. So um, one of the things that's popping up in, in Vegas is six to five blackjack where if you get a blackjack at a normal casino if you get a blackjack which would be an ace and any 10 value card like a jack queen king Mm -hmm. or a 10 then you get paid three to two so if you're paying a hundred dollars you actually get paid 150 dollars and that's Mm -hmm. a huge part of uh, what makes the game beatable is that a blackjack's getting paid three to two but uh, at some of the casinos at the lower limit tables they're now changing it to six to five so if you bet a hundred dollars you get paid 120 Mm. and that that makes it just unbeatable so rules are part of it. And there's all these rules that the average gambler doesn't really pay attention to, but they all affect your your advantage. The the other thing is going to be the number of decks, but uh, as important as the number of decks is how much they deal out. So if you're playing a six-deck game, but they only deal three of the six decks before they shuffle, you, you can't really beat that game. And mm-hmm. so that's basically every online casino. What they're going to do is they're going to deal eight decks with actually pretty crappy rules like beatable but but crappy but then they're only going to deal four decks before they shuffle and that's just not good enough to be able to beat that game so casinos know this stuff right so they're but i would assume some of them still want to make it appealing enough to bring in you know pretty savvy blackjack players uh i don't know if they want to bring in savvy blackjack players Mm -hmm. but there's a couple things one is it costs them money if they're shuffling more often because okay. that slows the game down and they make money off of rounds per hour just like a card counter does so it's it's sort of like are we going to make this game unbeatable but cost ourselves probably more money at the same time mm-hmm. um but the other thing is you know blackjack became popular because of demand and if you make the game unbeatable 
you know, the, the reason people flocked to it is because they knew it could be beat. Mm-hmm. And even though less than 1% of people are going to actually beat it, the other 99 or 99 and a half percent are going to, you know, lose money at it. So if you make it unbeatable, people will probably stop playing it. They'll, they'll play something with better odds. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, where and when is card counting legal, illegal, and do any type of casinos actually allow it? Um, so card counting is legal wherever you're allowed to use your brain. So I've never found a casino that that has claimed that it's illegal. Like it, it's just silly to call it illegal, uh-huh. you know, unless they're going to say you can't think while you play games in this casino. Okay. Um, but you know that's really a Hollywood misconception. There's there's a lot of people that think it's illegal because they saw 21 and that Lawrence Fishburne is pistol whipping card counters in the basement. Like that's not reality. The the reality is they can say, Hey, uh, you're no longer welcome to play blackjack here. And mm-hmm. and that's happened to me hundreds of times, but <laughs> they, they, but they can't say what you're doing is illegal and we're going to arrest you. Mm-hmm. You know, they can just say, we don't want your, your action anymore. What was the other, he said, where is it illegal? Yeah, I mean, do casinos look to basically stomp this stuff out? Are they are they going yeah. around tables and looking for the way <laughs> functioning brains essentially? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every casino has has its own tolerance level. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a casino where where I'm from in Washington State that let our I, I ran a team for for quite a while, mm-hmm. and they let members of our team play there just like blatantly counting cards as as blatantly as you could they let him for for about a year until we won a half million dollars and then they finally said okay that's enough but what they had said before that is oh well we make so much money off of slot machines we're not really worried about you know the little bit of money we're losing at table games um mm-hmm. but but they they had a tolerance level other places they're, they're not gonna let you win half a million right um they're going to be looking for it. If if they deem you a threat, then they'll probably analyze your game or, or, or do the best they can. And uh, at that point, they'll say, hey, you're too good for us. The beauty is there's just so many casinos, you know, and so you just move on to the next one. Yeah, I guess casinos are used used to having winning nights and losing nights and, and yeah. people coming in and winning all the time. So if you're a professional and you're staying on the move, you know, you can you can go for a long time without being kind of snipped out. Yeah, and you find a place that, you know, just didn't evaluate your play or they just assume you're a gambler, you know. So part of it is how you carry yourself, how you act and and all that stuff, but you know, some people think, "Oh, you can't really count cards these days." And that's completely false, you know. Uh I have guys that are making more money than I did, you know, doing this now, even though, you know, I was playing 10 years ago where in theory it was easier. Are there any like hidden treasures around the world? I, I can just foresee a small country like Moldova and Eastern Europe uh-huh. or something like just being a gem mine for for card counters and kind of like the last frontier of really easy tables to beat. But do you know any like gems out there? If I do, uh, all my friends would you know disown me if I if right. I shared it. Yeah. But that's part of the job of a card counter is finding you know finding a place that there. I have a buddy that a casino let him play for I think it was seven weeks straight, seven mm-hmm. or eight weeks straight, he was playing 12 hours a day, just sitting, you know, sitting there playing. And, and after after those seven weeks, he was up $50,000. And uh, they finally said, okay, you know, <laughs> we, we think you're counting cards. We're not going to let you play anymore. Right. Very interesting. Well, I mean, as, as a professional that has done it so well for so long, it, do you kind of max out on your abilities to count cards and win? And do you, do you, is this one of those things that you just continue to get better and better and better with experience? 
No, I, I, yeah, I think you do max out because the the beautiful thing about card counting is it's really a set system. You know, there's only so many variables. So it's going to be, you know, the, your skill level that it's not like poker where you can get better at reading other players. It's just going to be executing a system, but then it's just going to be rounds per hour. You know, mm-hmm. how fast can you play and not making any mistakes? And, you know, then the rest is really just kind of that that finding more places or, or lasting longer at places by carrying yourself like a gambler rather than, you know, MIT, right. math whiz. Right. Well, one of the original ideas that, or how this episode actually came up in our in our forum with our uh, our boss lounge was that gambling, people equate a lot of success in gambling to the same type of success that people have in investing. And a lot of that really comes down to having a plan, having a strategy, but most importantly, the discipline side of it. And yeah, especially in investing, we always find, I mean, Johnny and I have made countless mistakes in investing, but it really always comes down to emotion and getting off of a plan or a strategy and, and really just inexperience. I imagine so much of card counting and professional gambling is the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there are people that have very good skills, but they, you know, if they're getting killed at the tables, they're, they're going to, you know, chase their money or that, you know, they're not going to keep playing properly. They're not going to be disciplined investors. And you know, that, that kind of guy is, is going to eventually lose their money. Right. Well, what are some of the biggest successes that you've heard of in card counting, either through your personal network or people that are close to you? You mentioned earlier that you're managing, managing a team that made half a million in that one area, but I I think you have larger stories under your belt. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I didn't play all that long. I played for, you know, a few years and, and then really transitioned into running the team, but I won, uh, over 600,000 playing, you know, about 2000 hours. And I started, I started with 2000 and, uh, I, I had the benefit of, uh, some buddies that we kind of pulled our money and we, it was like, kind of like an investment pool, but some friends started asking us after a few years, if we could teach them how to play and basically bankroll them. And so we did that and it turned into, a team. There's a documentary about it called Holy Rollers. But our team, won, the the various teams that I've run, have won a little less than four million dollars. And then, you know, about six, seven years ago, I I started getting sick of running the team. It had really been all I'd ever done through my twenties, and uh, started, you know, I transitioned out running the team and started working online, running blackjack apprenticeship. But right. what's been fun is that over the over the probably just the last year, it's reached the point where the people I've trained through. Uh, the website have, you know, cumulatively won more money than the teams I ran. So, you know, there, there's podcasts you can listen to on our website with with guys that have won. You know, there's a guy that won 300 grand in I think two years, and he started with 5,000. And another guy, uh, he goes by the name Joe Seven Four Eight, and he started I think with 10 grand, and he lost the first five because he didn't really know what he was doing, and then he, you know, took out the other 5,000 and. To date, he's won over nine hundred thousand. Wow! Um, in the last four years, and you know he's he works hard. He's disciplined. He puts in the hours. He's not afraid of casinos. You know all the all the characteristics you have to have. But mm-hmm. uh, you know he's he's had a lot of success with it. And would you say most of the people in your network are playing in Nevada, you know Nevada, Vegas, or is this pretty well distributed around the nation or the world? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play at that level, you got to travel. Mm-hmm. You know. Las Vegas is great for a while. And then, you know, once, once you're well known there, it it becomes tougher and you can't just exclusively play there. But there's there, when I was playing, there were other than the tribal casinos, there were only 
casinos legal in three states, Washington, uh, Nevada, and Atlantic City. Now there's casinos in over 30 states. I think wow. it's like 30, 35 now. So there's just casinos everywhere. And, uh, and, and that's just the U S you know, there's Canada and there, like you said, there's all over the world. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned tribal casinos. So I'm, I'm guessing I grew up in Florida, so we had like the hard Mm -hmm. rock and we had, Mm -hmm. we had, uh, casinos popping up there. Is there any reason you disclude those from, from card counting or, or casinos you play at? No, no, they're great. (laughs) Uh, the the casino I mentioned that we won half a million at that, that was tribal. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say, I don't know, maybe half the money we made was at tribal casinos. You have to be, you just want to be smart because they are a sovereign nation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't necessarily have to abide by all the same rules. But I I give that disclaimer, but it's incredibly rare to have a bad situation. A bad situation might be they don't want to cash your chips out and, you you know, you have to come back later. You have to give them your ID for them to cash you out, which, you know, it's not not a big deal. But, you know, there's like the rare horror stories where they – uh, make you sit in a back room for half an hour to, you know, make you feel bad and scare you. And then they cash you out and you leave, but that's incredibly rare. And if you know your rights, you just say, no, I, I'd like to leave. And you just walk out and you know, you're fine. Yeah. So I think I've tried to, to, to card count a few times. I think I just watched the MIT documentary a few years uh-huh. ago and was inspired and went on a cruise ship and tried to card count. But of course, uh-huh. if anyone was looking at me, they could see that I'm, literally trying to do addition as fast as my brain could work uh, yeah. and, and looking at all the other cards. I imagine that, okay, again, with experience, you can basically just be sipping on a, a cool drink and and, uh, and not being obvious at all about what you're doing, or at least the addition that's happening in your brain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it takes a couple hundred hours to become perfect at card counting, you know. So th- there's, there's this question. I, half the people out there think it's this get rich quick scheme where, you know, you watch a movie and you spend an hour flipping over cards and you're like, I'm ready to go. The other extreme is people think that you have to be a genius to do this and neither are true. It's, you know, easier than becoming a professional programmer or a, you know, doctor, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it does take a couple hundred hours to get perfect at it. And even then I would say that's when you're okay. You're not making mistakes, but after another couple hundred hours, you're going to be much more comfortable and a lot faster and, and look more natural in the casino. And, mm-hmm. and those, those things matter as far as, like you said, not, not looking like you're counting on your fingers and toes. Right. Did the MIT guys, did they use, I know they were also doing, or I'm not sure if it was them or someone that was re- similar to them. They were trying to, to break roulette. And I think they actually did where they had a, a tapper going on and they would tap when the, the ball crossed the, the zero double zero. Did they use any type of mechanism for card counting as well, or was that t- entirely in their head? Uh, yeah, yeah. So actually, the like shoe computers. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Right. Or ever heard of those? Yeah. So those were actually legal until Nevada and Atlantic City, you know, outlawed them. Mm-hmm. Like they were legal, but then casinos had to create legislation or lobby for legislation to outlaw them. But before, when they were legal, guys were killing it with these, you know, shoe computers where they would tap with their toes for the various cards that were coming out. Mm -hmm. And so it'd be much more sophisticated than card counting. You know, it could be a much more accurate system. And I've met some of those guys that did that and they're smart guys. And, and, you know, sounds like the wild west to me, but, (laughs) but yeah, there, and, and there are ways to be casino games outside of card counting. Card counting is kind of the most well-known way. And Mm -hmm. I would say it's the most consistent game you can find to beat. but there's a lot of smart people that spend a lot of energy just exploiting casino games. 
It's certainly a lot of fun to dive into and try to f- figure out ways to win, of course, in just about anything you do. But with people that come to you guys at Blackjack Apprentice, how many hours do you typically see that they need to invest in actually learning before? I mean, is it pretty much learn and go play almost immediately? No, no. Like I said, it takes 200 hours to get mm-hmm. to perfect. And, and I think that the majority of that time should be spent not in the casinos. Mm-hmm. So people that become members of our site, we've got a bunch of software and there's really a process that we take people through from understanding. We've got a video course. It's like you want, want to know all the information mm-hmm. first yeah. and then and then it's about mastering each of the steps until you're perfect, which you don't have to be a genius, but it just takes repetition. And, it, you know, you don't want to go into casinos. This is the way I put it. If you're a 95 percent accurate card counter, you're going to lose money. If you're a 98 percent accurate card counter, you're probably going to break even. But if you're a 100 percent accurate card counter, you know, you can be making hundreds of dollars an hour. So it takes at least, you know, 200 hours and probably over a hundred of that should not be in casinos. It should just be mastering the skills, you know, with software or with, you know, you don't need software. It's just much, much more efficient than flipping cards over yourself at home. Sure. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of people make six figure incomes. You mentioned a bunch of them already on this episode. How much money would you need to be able? I mean, can you generate with enough time and enough experience actually mastering card counting can you generate a six-figure annual income off of relatively no money? I assume if you're always winning, you don't need to go into debt too large. Well, you're not always going to be winning. So mm-hmm. yeah, you definitely need you need a bankroll. And and just like investing, the, the more capital you have, the more you can expect to make. Mm-hmm. So you know the stories I told, people started with, you know, I started with a couple thousand or these other guys started with five or 10,000, but uh, they were able to, to grow their bankroll. They were able to scale it. So if you've got 10 grand, maybe you're making, you know, 10, 15, maybe $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. But if you've got, you know, 50 grand, now you can make, you know, 70 or a hundred dollars an hour. And if you've got a hundred grand, you can make you know, two, 300 an hour. So, uh, that's with keeping your risk low. Like a, a professional card counter wants to keep their risk at 1% or, or below because you just, you know, you don't want to risk your capital. Right. It's, it's just so interesting to compare this stuff. We just did a, an episode on option trading with Kirk DePlessis mm-hmm. and we just did a, an episode on, on Forex trading and trying to, mm-hmm. f- to figure out how you can generate six figure returns with that stuff. And comparing it to this is there's just so much overlap that I find really, mm-hmm. really fascinating because I don't think people think of of this as is typically trading or investing, but a lot of the same rules and, and concepts apply to to forex and option trading. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. So, how how about just like on your guys' personal level? Are you guys banned from any casinos? Uh, yeah, any professional <laughs> any any professional has been banned from plenty of casinos. So you know, if if you don't like conflict, don't get into card counting. But mm-hmm. if you don't mind, you know, having casinos occasionally treat you like the bad guy, you know, it's, it's a good option and you get to, you know, stick it to the man. Um, Right. But, but yeah, I mean, there's kind of like the most common thing will be, so my name is Colin Jones. I'll say, Mr. Jones, your game's too good for us. You're welcome to play any other game in the casino, but no more blackjack. And, uh, that's the most common some people will be more like, Hey, you're done here. No more, no more blackjack or you're not welcome to play any games in the casino. And then there's the maybe 1% of the time it's called a trespass where they say, Hey, you're done here. And, uh, we have a right to arrest you for trespassing if you ever come back. And that's really rare. It's just an intimidation tactic. Mm -hmm. And some card counters kind of laugh at it and they'll go back 
time and time again after they've been, you know, told that. I never went back to a casino that told me I would be arrested. Well, that's not true. Uh, I never <laughs> bet. I never bet a whole lot of money at a casino that that had told me I could be arrested for trespassing, but just because I want to be on the safe side. But like I said, there's just so many casinos. You yeah. Know? I, I wasn't hanging out in casinos before I counted cards. I'd never even been in a casino before. So it's not like my feelings were hurt when they say I can't be in their casino. I just move on to the next one. Yeah. So you're not experiencing serious, serious FOMO because you've been kicked out of half of Vegas or anything like that. No, I mean, there, there's those games, those like great games. And when, <laughs> you know, you finally get backed off, it's like, oh man, this has been, you know, this has been so awesome. It's, it's too bad. I'll never be playing here again. Uh, that's always, it's a bummer, but you just, you know, you move on. Part of the game, right? Yep. So do you guys still count cards personally or do you just stick to managing Blackjack Apprentice and, and uh, in teams here and there? Yeah, I don't I don't play much. I've got young kids, so it's not the best season to be, you know, traveling around the country playing card games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't need the money. I don't need extra money playing, but uh, I'm good at it. I enjoy it. So I play a little bit, but not, you know, full time or not not professionally. I, I have a lot more fun, you know, seeing kind of the next generation of people do this and, you know, helping advise them and, and see them have lots of success with it. Man, so you got a, a really fascinating story. I'm sure so much of this stuff was really exciting to learn how to do and when you first started winning and sticking it to the man and the documentary that you guys put together. I mean, what's what's been the most exciting part of the journey throughout that uh, that, that you can recall on? Uh, that's a good question. I think, it, you know, anyone that's that's been an entrepreneur, the most exciting is when, when that thing starts working, you mm-hmm. know? So I remember when I started Kind Cards and, and just seeing my money grow, it was just so exciting because I'd never had anything like that and, and just always assumed I'd work some job that I would hate. But to be completely in control of if I worked or when I worked or if I wanted to work more, you know, mm-hmm. like I'd just uh, stay at the casino longer and, and keep grinding. That was exciting. But then the same thing with the team, you know, when it was like, oh, my gosh, I can actually make a good living helping other people count cards, you know, and running the team, you know, when we won the first million or two million. Yeah. Um, and and then even with Blackjack Apprenticeship, just when we started it, we didn't know if this was going to work and if other people are going to be as disciplined as we were. But then seeing people come through the training and having as much or more success as us, you know, is just incredibly thrilling. Well, we had on last week Chris Conley, and I believe in Nevada they just passed a new uh, a new bill that allows sports betting to be incorporated into a fund, so people can actually invest into a fund, and that fund will place bets on all types of different sports. And that's hmm. now it's now legal. I wonder if this would ever get to a point where you could actually incorporate it into a fund and, and essentially manage investors' money through card counting or some other type of of gambling like this. Yeah, it's an inter- interesting thought. I mean. <laughs> It's such a uh, relational thing, so much trust involved that yeah. it, you know, you you want to work with people that you trust, handing them your money, and they're going to play in the casino the same way you would. But you know, there there's definitely teams out there, and and maybe they're going to use that legislation to their advantage. Well, I definitely look at this stuff as a form of trading, a form of investing. Is there any other type of stuff now that you've kind of moved on from the card counting and more into the entrepreneurial game? Is there anything that you're interested in investing in or currently other other things that you're you are currently investing in? Uh, 
real estate, I like real estate. Um, that's kind of the long game for mm-hmm. me, you know, but, uh, other than that, not, not really like I, I stick to what I know. I know yeah. card counting, I know real <laughs> estate and, and I don't really feel like I need to venture outside of the things that I have had success in. That's great, man. Well, Colin, tell us just a quick bit about Blackjack Apprenticeship for any of the listeners out there that are interested in learning how to do what you've done so well. Sure. So if someone's interested in actually mastering card counting and taking it seriously, uh, I mean, even if you're curious, we have like a free mini course that you can take. It's like five videos that I put together to really help people understand, hey, this is investing, not gambling, you know, and, and how to think about card counting and and how it works and, and that stuff. But uh, for people that want to take it seriously, we have a membership that walks people through, you know, from beginner all the way to like the most advanced things you're going to be dealing with, like traveling with large amounts of money through airports <laughs> and, you know, all how to deal with back offs and casinos. And we've got a really cool community of professional card counters that, you know, you can ask questions to. And we've got a bunch of training drills. Uh, and we, we even have a thing called Casino 411. It's like Yelp for card counters. So you can look up. The, the rules of the games anywhere in the world to find out what the playing conditions are and, and scout out new casinos. And then, you know, some people, they want in-person training. And so we do boot camps, which are like a live event in Vegas uh, a few times a year. And you get, you know, one-on-one time with me and about half a dozen other card counters where we're, we're going to dissect your game and help you improve. So that's, that's what we do at Blackjack Apprenticeship. I love supporting the next generation of card counters. And, and it's a really cool community that i'm really proud of that's amazing colin and and how much money have you walked through an airport with uh a hundred thousand i don't know if i've carried much more than a hundred thousand at once what is it what is that is that like a a suitcase or just a backpack full (laughs) no man pockets pockets Uh, (laughs) those those hundreds go tiny (laughs) uh yeah yeah i when I was traveling with that much, I have a pair of like REI travel pants and mm-hmm. I'll wear them under a pair of jeans. Okay. And these, these travel pants have all these zipper pockets so I can comfortably have $60,000 beneath my jeans and then another 40,000 in, you know, the pockets of my coat. And, uh, it's, it's stressful carrying that much, but you know, you get used to it over Man, time. That could be an episode on its own. What well, you're definitely buying beers at the airport lounge. And if you if you're traveling with a hundred thousand, it means you won some right. money. So it's gotta, a little bit better, you know. If you're flying home with no money, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't feel as good. Right. Cool stuff, Colin. Well, man, this has been tons of fun. Lots of overlap with investing, which is why I'm so excited to have had you on and and share the story. Guys, we'll leave links in the show notes. And Colin, appreciate it, buddy. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's go to Vegas, Sam. <laughs> What an incredible chapter of a life to have had, you know? Yeah, it just sounds fun. Sounds fun. It's it's definitely for the thrill seekers. I don't think I could do it because I would just be a nervous wreck waiting to get kicked out, but I think if you do it enough, you just you get used to it. It's just part of part of the job. So honestly, in the beginning of the episode, you know, I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to do this. It's not for me." But by kind of halfway between, I was like, "You know what?" If I can figure this out, you know, real quick, like if I could spend a few weeks and figure out the basics, I would love just to go to Vegas and have some fun and get comped at some, mm. you know, uh, at some nice suites by by being a high roller. But then towards the end, I realized, okay, this is going to be a lot of work. It's it's not going to be just like a quick two week training. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think I could ever get over the the loss. Like if I I went in and first night I lost twelve hundred bucks, I would just be. <laughs> I would be devastated, right? 
I think that's the interesting part about these these players is how how they go in, lose fifty grand, and then wake up the next morning like I'm going straight back at it. And I guess that's really just comes down to the faith in the numbers. Yeah. Well, like even with things like investing in index funds, I've told myself I'm going to continue to invest $3,000 a month no matter what happens. But to be honest, I haven't been putting money in index funds for the last couple of months because I keep thinking there, there's going to be you know, um, a big drop off. Hmm. And I've been investing in other things instead, like you know, the Bitcoin from last episode or from you know, just other random investments. And part of me is thinking maybe maybe I'm a genius for diversifying and doing some other things, or maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe there's going to be you know maybe the stock market is going to continue to grow, and I'm just not following my strategy that I sat down and for you know 70 episodes before this I told myself no matter what I'm you know dollar cost averaging putting the same amount in I'm, I'm going to follow the game plan. Well, how long ago did you stop putting money in in Vanguard? I think I missed two months in a row now. That's not terrible. I thought I thought it was more like five or six months. You know, it, it might have been five or six months. Okay. Well, <laughs> if it was five or six months, then you missed out on a lot, right? But if you're making yeah. other investments, you probably did okay. But I did similar. Like I, I was thinking there was going to be a big. I was basically playing a lot of these this big summer sell off advice that we've heard a little bit along the line, and and wanting to, you know, we're wanting to use our our knowledge and. I guess try to time the market, which a lot of the other wisdom that we've heard is a bad idea. But man, Vanguard, what my Vanguard and Wealthfront account have been on a tear the last this whole year, really. I mean, that, those were that would have been a big opportunity to have missed. Yeah. So I'm curious for everyone who's in the boss lounge. Let us know what your game plan is, how it's changing, and you know what what you kind of think about staying on course with a plan or gambling. As far as gambling, I'm glad I don't have that bone in me to go and play, you know, to risk it all. I think if you are going to gamble, it's a smart idea to actually have a game plan like counting cards. Mm. But actually one thing that I, I would like to do the next time we go to Vegas together, let's both with, you know, let's let's have somebody call the casino saying a bunch of high rollers are coming in. We'll each, you know, withdraw 10,000 in cash, get some chips, play a couple games very conservatively. You know, get comp to room and some buffets, and then just cash out. So we just have that massive mound of chips, like one dollar chips, but ten thousand sitting in front of us, and then we just we're just betting like the the minimum the entire the minimum. time. Yeah, yep. I, and just I, playing like a game, like really conservatively. Uh, last time I went to Vegas, I I played a hundred dollars, and it was twenty dollar minimum on blackjack, and I lost five hands in a row, and it stung for about two weeks. It's hard, like it's hard for me to lose money, like in gambling like that. I just, I feel bad. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, the the hurt of losing, you know, even a hundred dollars is way more than the excitement of making five hundred. Mm. So unless I can ten x my money, I don't even want to doing it. Yeah, I agree, agree totally. So we talked about forex. We've talked about option trading and. Everything we keep learning about these type of strategies, we're going to have an episode coming up on trend following. So much of this, it's it's systems, it's math, it's numbers, it's a number game. It, as long as you have a strategy, you stick to it and you're disciplined. You know, the people that we know that are, are, are at the top of their game doing option trading, doing forex trading, they're winning because they have a strategy, they stick to it, and they're disciplined over a long period of time. And it seems the same with card counting. He was saying card counting, you know, 95% of card counters lose money. It's that 5% that are disciplined, get enough hours in and stick with it that that it works. And I that to me continues to resonate 
and make a lot of sense for so much of the investing that we're doing, whether we take our advice or not. Yeah, and it's just kind of a reminder for us to stay on our advice. So mm-hmm. I like it. And uh, for you guys who are staying on, <laughs> let us let us know how you're doing in the Boss Lounge. And also keep leaving these re- cool reviews because because of you guys, we're able to get on great guests. And also we've been listening to you. So uh, Bobby from Romania asked us back in June. He said – you know, best investment podcast, five stars. Thanks for sharing all this, all this great information. But you should do a, an episode on cryptocurrencies. And because of people like you, we've got on two experts on there. So if you guys haven't listened to those episodes, uh, go to investlikeaboss.com and look through our episode list. And if you want any other topics, recommend it in the Boss Lounge or leave us a review and let us know. Absolutely. And guys, if you haven't checked it out, highly recommend watching the documentary holy rollers i watched it in hong kong a couple weeks ago over a couple of gin and tonics it's it's madly entertaining watching what these guys go through literally as their day job uh, and i think one of the cool things about these guys they're christians they don't even like casinos they hate casinos that's part of the reason that they wanted to do this it's really really fascinating i think it's about two hours long it's it's worth it you'll enjoy it so check that out i love it all right thanks guys and see you all next week peace out Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.